Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, y'all. It's Dina Kispe, lead producer here. I'm sitting in for Rahil while he takes some much-needed time off. No worries, he'll be back tomorrow. All right, let's get into it. HISD Superintendent Mike Miles has been rolling out a lot of changes, some super contentious ones, like how libraries are going to turn into discipline centers or team centers. Here to catch us up on all the changes and what this means for the new school year are Asher Lair-Small and Miranda Dunlap from the Houston Landing. It's Monday, August 7th. I'm Dina Kispe, and here's what Houston's talking about. Asher, Miranda, thanks for coming on today. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Great to be here, Dina. Yes, doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Let's get it started because HISD has been one that is like hard to keep up with, especially with all the changes. Can you start by just kind of listing off the major changes that Miles is implementing for this upcoming school year? Yeah. So um, very contentious has been um, the conversation of Zoom rooms or team centers. Um, So at 28 um, new education system schools, which are the schools that uh, Miles has targeted for immediate changes, libraries will be converted into team centers. So that means that librarians and media specialists at those campuses are being eliminated. And the rooms will instead serve as an area that's kind of twofold. So one option is that um, students who are misbehaving will be sent out of the classroom by the teacher and into the team center where they will watch their class virtually. There will be webcams in every classroom for this purpose. But then it's also, um, there's another different aspect of it, which is you'll have students in there who are you know, not misbehaving, right? So I think it's you know 45 minutes into a lesson, um, you'll take what's, I guess, could be best described as like an exit ticket <laughs> where the teacher will kind of gauge your understanding of the topic and kids who are doing well will go and sit in the team center and either work in collaboration with other students or work on a worksheet on their own while other students who need a little bit more help and direct instruction will remain in the classroom with the teacher for that. So it's kind of twofold, but you know, it has been very controversial, especially considering at these 28 schools, librarians and media specialists are being eliminated. Um, The books will remain on the shelves. So it'll still be a library. Um, They can be checked out on an honor system, according to the superintendent. So that's what we know for sure. And then, you know, there are 57 schools that kind of opted into Mike Miles's reform plans. It's being evaluated on a case-by-case basis, how many of those schools will adopt that same model. So that remains to be seen. Um, I think that's, you know, one of those changes that kind of everybody is hearing about. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. What the superintendent would argue is that He's saying that these team centers are actually going to replace in-school mm-hmm. suspension at some of these schools. So parents, understandably, have been really upset about taking away librarians and about the idea that misbehaving students 
would get sent out of class for Zoom learning because we know that for almost everyone, online learning did not go very well. But the superintendent is saying this is a way to cut down on suspensions, which are also pretty harmful mm-hmm. for students. Mm-hmm. Um, and zooming out, one of the biggest pieces that's changing at the NES schools, parents might not see it as directly, um, but teachers certainly will, is there is, is teachers at these schools are going to make much more money than teachers at the rest of the district. So we're talking about in general, somewhere in the realm of an $80,000 minimum salary mm. um, for most subjects. And the superintendent's vision, at least, is that these are the schools that have historically been having the hardest time. So we're going to get the best teachers to teach there by paying them the most. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with that, you'll see at these schools, teachers and principals, their job responsibilities are going to be, you know, effectively restructured. So I you know, think that the superintendent's idea is that, you know, principals shouldn't be kind of like bogged down in day-to-day like administrative tasks. They should instead be, you know, mm-hmm. it, out around the school in the classroom. Um, Coaching teachers is the term that he uses. Um, So you're going to see a lot more of the principal in the day-to-day. And then, you know, teachers, their sole job is to be a teacher. So they won't be doing any of the tasks like making copies or grading papers or anything like that. Um, That would be a learning coach's job. So there'll be some differences in the day-to-days for those positions, for sure. The superintendent has made a promise that there will be far fewer vacancies um, of teaching positions at the beginning of this year than last year, but it looks like what they're needing to do in order to hit that goal is potentially eliminate the requirement for certification or working toward a certification. Granted, a lot of those people that were filling those roles in the past were uncertified substitutes, Hmm. but the... Houston Chronicle reported that the district has moved to allow uncertified teachers to be hired. So they sent out an email saying something of the like of, don't worry if you're not certified, you can still get a teaching job. Um, So that's also on the front of a lot of parents' minds we're hearing. Yeah. I I feel weird saying this, but a lot of the changes seems like they could, you know, have a positive effect to some degree. You know, getting rid of librarians, I definitely don't really agree with. But I went to a high school where we had like centers. It was like a magnet school. So everyone, it was like a whole math center and everyone was learning math from like ninth grade to senior year at the same time. And you had just a teacher who you'd ask questions for and you had a packet and you'd learn and all that stuff. It seems like a similar model to that. Granted, I feel like it's very strange to not have a librarian in a Mm -hmm. school. That just seems a bit drastic. Yeah. So, you know, to speak to some of the community's fears, um, when you look at these 28 NES schools where like the most drastic reforms are occurring, um, they are in lower income communities. And, you know, a lot of that fear is that, you know, taking away librarians and media specialists from schools that are, you know, largely, you know, students of color attending them, lower income, you know, the community feels like these, these are the people who need, who need a library the most, and we should be giving them mm-hmm. more resources and spending more time right. in the library, rather than taking that away. 
And so, you know, as you've seen in the last week, there's been a lot of, you know, major headlines and um, a lot of high profile city leaders, um, you know, speaking out against Mm -hmm. it, you know, saying that it feels like an attack on communities of color. So, all right, let's say it's the school year is coming. It's starting up real quick. Um, what can we expect from the district when school goes back into session? You know, is everything that Miles has said and put out there, is that already set? Is that happening? It's going to be implemented? It's a sure thing? Well, I think a lot of parents are anxiously watching. You know, school school starts, you know, it's August now. So school yeah. starts at the end of this month. So Superintendent Miles is very adamant that yes, everything will be up and running August 28th. That said, there's a lot that remains unclear. So I was at a community meeting at Stevenson Middle School and one community member stood up and said like, hey, you said the books would remain on the shelves in the library, but at our school, the books are actually being put into boxes Um, So we don't have a way to verify that claim, but Superintendent Miles um, respond was like, that should not be happening. And I did not, I was not aware of this. So clearly there's a difference between the policies that are being put in place and the implementation. Um, So I think a lot of people are going to be standing by and watching to see like, okay, we've heard about these things in theory, but what do they look like on the ground? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big, big deal to kind of see things happening differently from what he said that they would happen. I'm just curious, you know, with the TA getting involved from the beginning and taking over and putting in Miles as a superintendent, how involved are they now with Miles at the head of HISD? Are they still making decisions in the back end? Do we still kind of hear anything about them? Yeah, Dina, you see me (laughs) laughing when you ask that question because it's kind of it's a a funny question because it's on it it, I think a lot of people wonder that Mm -hmm. um people are wondering how much are these changes that are coming from the state how much are these changes that are coming from miles and how much is is there a difference between those two things and these are clearly plans that miles has had in the past and has tweaked over years and years he was a superintendent out in Colorado Springs, then as many people know, he's superintendent in Dallas, and then he ran a charter network. At every step of the way, he has been highly controversial. So <laughs> what we're seeing now is clearly something that Mike Marath, when he appointed Miles, was looking for. Like mm-hmm. um, Mike Miles is a known entity. Um, so, But then that question of exactly how much they continue to collaborate, uh, unclear. Yeah, something everyone's wondering, honestly. (laughs) Has he had like any success with the other school districts that he's worked in and implemented a lot of these plans? Yeah, so I mean, on on paper, I I can speak specifically to um, some schools in Texas that operated in partnership with his charter network um, called Third Future Schools. So there's two campuses that, you know, had failing grades a few years back. And so they, it's, you know, it's called like a turnaround program. So they um, came in contract with the charter network to kind of just turn those failing grades around. And, you know, the last rating I think we have available from the state, both of those now stand at a B rating. So um, he's, you know, had success in turning the... (laughs) accountability scores around um, and testing and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But I think, 
the jury is, you know, still out on exactly, you know, how fond parents and students were of the model and the day-to-day operations. Um, You know, there's certainly a lot of negative feedback out there. Yeah. And I'll just jump in and say that, you know, when you talk to teachers unions, when you talk to parents, um, when you talk to folks who have had previous involvement with Miles, either teachers when he was a superintendent um, out in Colorado Springs, you know, one through line is that there is a major focus on testing and Mm -hmm. standardized tests. Um, And so there's, there's pluses and minuses to that, right? Like if we're not testing, how do we know um, whether we are putting the corrective actions in place for students who have been underserved? But at the same time, um, there's a lot of research to show that if teachers have to really focus around a standardized test, they're going to narrow their curriculum to focus on only what's going to be on that test. So I think what a lot of people are worried about is that it'll the schools will lose some of their personality um, at at his previous schools. Like, you know, students, this is a little detail, but it's maybe like kind of telling is that students um, can't talk when they're, when they're in the hallways. And so they're like, there's a rule that, you know, they have to line up and move quietly through the halls. So there's definitely an ethos of hard work and focus and, and discipline I can't imagine walking through a hall and not talking. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, elementary and middle school. I believe they all have to walk single file in the hallways. That's intense. That's intense. <laughs> I want to go back a little bit and talk about the library uh, turning into team centers. And I feel like that's been the biggest point of contention right now. We've seen Mayor Turner come out and completely disagree with this. We've heard from Sheila Jackson Lee as well. You know, many people, parents, staff are against it. Does anyone have the power to actually stop Superintendent Mike from making this huge change? Well, we can start with a word, right? (laughs) I think that word is no. (laughs) Um, Okay. At least the mayor does not have the unilateral power to stop um, the superintendent from implementing these sorts of changes. Uh, I'll walk back my note a little bit to say that the board could, the board could, um, the school board tell him the school board could tell him to reverse course, but the same person, the Texas education commissioner who put miles in place also appointed the nine members of the board. So we don't have reason to believe yet that they will be pushing back on, Miles's mm-hmm. efforts. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't, I have gotten no answer from um, board members about their own feelings about um, the superintendent's plans to turn libraries into discipline centers. But I will say that there is, you know, every reason to believe that they are in support of his whole suite of changes that he's introducing. Um, so, back in Back in June, when they were first appointed, and um, we had the opportunity to sit down and talk um, for a short period of time about this, you know, one of the questions I asked um, every single one of them was, "How do you feel about Miles's plan so far?" Because he was just unveiling a lot of things very quickly, and it was an overwhelming um, amount of support. I mean, there were people saying he is a rock star and he's the right person for the job, and we are in full support of these plans. So I don't. I don't think there is any reason to suspect that the board would publicly push back against those plans at this point in time. What I will say is that 
at last week's community meeting, there was an interesting moment um, specifically around this point about libraries where board member Rolando Martinez, he spoke in response to the library piece and mentioned that it could be a policy, maybe kind of, sort of, that the board would relook at in the coming months. So he said, no, we're, we're not changing course right now. We are going along with Superintendent Miles's plan. Um, someone had asked, I get that you're changing these libraries into team centers, but why fire the librarians? Mm-hmm. And his and his response was, we're not changing course just yet, but maybe in the coming months, we could look at that again. Okay. So I want to move on and kind of get into like the staffing changes because we've heard a lot about Superintendent Miles cutting staff. And I'm just curious, what about like the other side of things? Have any teachers or any staff willingly left because of all these changes? Yeah. I mean, so I have not personally had the chance to speak with um, a a teacher who is like, screw this, I'm leaving. (laughs) Um, But that those stories are out there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so other outlets have um, reported on um, zeroing in on one or two teachers who, you know, felt overwhelmed or didn't like what they were seeing and have left. We don't know um, just yet how many people that will be. There, there have been, you know, teachers voicing their concerns at community meetings saying like, hey, my pay doesn't match what I was originally offered. Like, please fix this. Or, you know, I have offers in another place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so these are, you know, things that are happening. Um, HISD historically has pretty high teacher turnover to begin with, right. um, with teachers moving in and out of the district. So um, it I think it kind of remains to be seen. Right. Yeah. As Miranda said, there's always inflow and outflow. And the superintendent has staked a lot on saying that the vacancy rate will be lower this year than in years past. One thing to note is that there has been internal communication from the central offices, like staffing folks, hiring folks, pretty much saying like, this is going to be a really challenging time. We're asking a lot of you. We really want to hit these low vacancy numbers. So they have been told they may need to work overtime. They should not um, schedule vacations. And um, it's definitely a change of, of policy from in the past because previously they had four-day work weeks during the summer. And that's overtime without pay? Or will they get paid for their work when they're being asked to work overtime? This was brought up to the superintendent, um, people asking questions about why this was happening and if people were going to be paid or compensated for that overtime. And he did say um, last week that he wasn't aware of that communication and that it didn't seem right. So let's just say, you know, it's the end of the year. All the changes that Miles has made didn't really get the district where he needed to get it. You know, it wasn't getting quote unquote better, weren't getting the test scores that they needed. With the stake takeover, does that mean that Superintendent Miles could be replaced? Morath can do whatever he wants at any point in time um, Mm -hmm. to take Miles and the board out. But, you know, it is very well known that um, Miles has these plans that stretch across the next few years. So we have these 28 schools who are seeing the most changes right now that over ahead of the next school year, we'll see 50 more 
And then the school year after that, they'll bring in 70. So the whole goal is that 150 schools will be a part of this by the beginning of the 2025-26 school year. So because we have those, you know, long-term plans, I feel like there is some time, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that I don't, I don't see it being very likely. But you raise a great point, Dina, which is that people will be watching the outcome measures as they come along. So to go along with the increased focus on standardized testing is that we'll be getting many data points into how students are performing and and whether the changes are having their desired impact. Definitely by the end of the year, there will be um, several tests administered that will give people a touchstone on to how, <laughs> how significantly um, student scores are changing. And one of the exit criteria for the state takeover is that there's no multi-year failing schools. And so as, as these reforms continue to get implemented, Miles and everyone else is going to have an eye toward the school ratings and seeing if those bump up. Yeah. Is there anything else, Miranda Asher, that, you know, I didn't hit on that you want to really cover? I'll jump in with one thing and just say that um, I wrote about special education, and that's a pretty big topic here in HISD just because there's a, there's a long history of students in special ed not getting their needs met. So whether that's folks with disabilities not being identified as needing to receive services, or once they're identified and have a plan, like not actually having that plan implemented, so not getting the services they need. That's one thing that I'll have my eyes on going forward is does the state or does the district start to do better in terms of compliance with special ed? And that's a really important one. Asher, Miranda, thank y'all so much for coming on and talking to us. And I'll make sure to link up all of the Houston Landing articles that y'all have been doing. You've been doing great work and I'm going to keep following this story and your reporting. Thank y'all so much for coming on today. Thank you, Dina. Likewise. Thank you for having us. That was Miranda Dunlap and Asher Lair-Small from Houston Landing. We'll have a link to some of their work in our show notes. Before you go, y'all, Houston is hosting the biggest halal food fest for the second year in a row. Last year, they had to turn people away because you know H-Town showed up. This year, the festival is going down on September 30th in Sugarland. My suggestion to you is that you mark your calendar so as soon as tickets go on sale, you get yourself one. All right, that's all I got for y'all today. Catch us tomorrow for our Tuesday News Roundup. And as always, if you want to keep in touch, hit us up and stay up to date with all things Houston by subscribing to our newsletter, Hey Houston, written by our very own newsletter editor, Brooke Lewis. All right, that's it. Bye. Bye.